And welcome back to the choir room here in season six, episode number three, Jagged Little Tapestry. We have a uh, a lot of fun to get into with this episode coming off of homecoming. All of the alumni came home. Time to restart the Glee Club uh, from from nothing. We are turning it into something. We've got a couple of members now and some alumni still hanging around here. So we've got another fun episode to get into today uh, with a very exciting guest, which I will introduce her in a second. But first. Aman, how's it going today? Oh, it's going well, man. Going well. Swallowed this episode like a jagged little... Oh, it's tapestry, not pill. Damn it. <laughs> I ruined it. I ruined it. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> Skip we'll me. Do I'm better. embarrassed. <laughs> it's okay. We'll do better uh, as we go on here. Uh, very excited to get to this guest and have her join us here for her first official recap of a Glee episode with us, but not the first time we've talked to her. Uh, back a couple of weeks ago or a month ago at this point, we did a Glee sorting hat over on the Real Weird Sisters podcast with our guest today, Real Weird Martha. Martha, how are you doing? Hello, Matt and Mon. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be an official guest on the choir room now because the last one was like Yay. in the choir room feed, but it was really a Real Weird Sisters episode. So excited to be here um, and excited to talk about one of my favorite shows of the past, Glee. <laughs> yes. Um, of course, uh, we, we, we talked to you then. Uh, I think both you and Alice gave us your history with the show. But in case anybody missed that episode, if they for some reason uh, did not find that activity fun, I can't imagine why. But uh, if they missed your uh, history with Glee, uh, do us all a favor and fill us in. Sure. So I was a huge Gleek back in the day. Um, really, like season one and season two, I was obsessed. I think I probably rewatched season the first two seasons like six or seven times over the course of like two years. I was just constantly rewatching Glee for a couple of years. Um, and I was, I think it was the summer before I was entering high school that I was getting into it. That was when it came out. And I was just like, this is what high school is going to be like. <laughs> I was very excited and I was just so into it. And then I stopped watching about halfway through season three, I think because people like my friends weren't watching it anymore. Um, and I actually never picked it back up, even though I was so obsessed with it. Um, I was so obsessed with the fact that I did even dress as a Glee character for Halloween one year. And my friend and I had yes. like this, my friend and I had this like Glee club that was not actually a Glee club, but it was a TV show Glee club where we talked about Glee. Um, <laughs> it was very nerdy. Um, but I somehow just stopped being obsessed with it and didn't watch it until uh, actually the last few months I have been uh, mm-hmm. binging it and I watched all of seasons three through six really um, over the course of about two weeks. So um, I'm very excited to be here to talk about this episode, which I I feel like I really lucked out. This was such a great episode, Um, but also just to talk about Glee in general because I've consumed so much of it lately. (laughs) 
Yes, and you enjoyed that uh, two weeks, right? I, I hope, because I know that a, a little bit of it was preparing for you to be uh, able to come onto the podcast. So I hope you weren't uh, too miserable watching all that. No, it was very fun. I I feel like I the lowest point was sort of the spot where I had left off, like the ha- second half of season three and beginning of season four. I was like, I just don't know if I'm going to like really keep enjoying this. Obviously, I wanted to be on the show and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to do it. But it felt a little bit more like homework at first. But I really enjoyed season five and six, especially especially six. Um, and I, it was started to fly by the more I watched it. So I mm-hmm. definitely it was uh, an enjoyable assignment. Yes. Um, and like I was saying earlier, just in case anybody was confused uh, about the podcasting, in case you actually did miss it, or if you're jumping in at a random part of uh, Glee here, uh, who would start with season six? I don't know. But uh, a couple of weeks back, we sorted the Glee characters into Hogwarts houses. Uh, Martha and her sister Alice do a podcast, a Harry Potter podcast. It's uh, one of the best, if not the best. I haven't listened to more than theirs, so I can't really tell you. Uh, I assume it's the best. It's, it's definitely the best. Uh, they do they do a Harry Potter podcast, so we sorted <laughs> all of the Glee characters into Hogwarts houses. So definitely go back and check that out. Uh, we did mainly the like season two generation of the Glee kids, uh, kids plus a couple of adults there. But uh, we do have another one planned that we're going to get to in the future. Uh, so some of the new kids and uh, people we haven't gotten to yet. So I'm excited to get to that. Yeah, we didn't Me get too. to talk about my favorites, um, which are uh, Rory and now I can't even remember his name, but the Joe. Joe, Joe, yes. I was a huge Glee Project fan back in the day as well. So and, and I was in love with Damien. Um, so I can't think of Rory. I always think of Rory as Damien um, and Joe as mm-hmm. Sam. I did not like I did not like Sam as much, but I still really loved that show. And I was like, it's the most brilliant thing I've ever watched. Uh, so, I know, yes. wasn't it? I was so in, I was so invested. <laughs> Yes. Well, that'll be fun. Uh, I, I honestly can't even remember like half of the uh, houses that people got ranked into. I, I mean, I probably if we started to like if, if somebody quizzed me, I'm sure I could figure it out. But well, it we, feels we like have it's been a, a we have a spreadsheet if you want to see it. We, we do oh. a spreadsheet for everyone. So. Oh, yeah. Matt <laughs> loves his spreadsheets. I do love my spreadsheets. All right. Well, uh, we'll work on that after here. But yeah, something to look forward to uh, for anybody out there that is uh, looking forward to a part two in that as much as we are. So looking forward to that. And uh, what else before we get into this episode? Amon, anything uh, to set up here before we get into uh, Jagged Little Tapestry? Nothing other than that this is a really fun episode with lots of really good music. So I'm excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Sure is. All right. So let's get right into it. We'll uh, pick some things up along the way. Uh, I know there's a bunch of stuff in here that uh, all three of us are big fans of. So let's start getting into it. We're going to open the episode off with Kurt at a sheet music store, the one that they always go to. And he runs into Blaine and Dave Karofsky. Uh, Blaine's like, oh, don't tell me we have to figure out alternating sheet music days. Uh, Kurt's like, no, of course, not a problem. It's fine. We can both be here. It's not an issue. Karofsky uh, mentions that he's been helping Blaine put together his Warblers uh, set list. And he's like, it's pulling, it's like pulling teeth to get this guy off Broadway or even off off Broadway, if you know what I mean, right? Uh, got him. Uh, Blaine <laughs> and Dave walk off. And Kurt is going to uh, begin singing here as he and Blaine are going to duet. It's too late, Martha. Yeah, this song was great. It was a great way to start the episode. Um, And I'll say that I um, am not super familiar with Alanis Morissette or Carole King. I mean, I know 
like I could recognize their their music, um, but I'm not like a huge fan of either of them. And that is, I think, like the perfect recipe for Glee music for me. Um, whenever Glee does covers of songs that I'm already super familiar with, like pop songs and like songs that I grew up listening to, whatever, um, that's usually when I'm like not as into the music. But when they do something like um, that's not not a really familiar song for me, that's when it's usually where the magic happens. And I loved all the mashups in this episode. This one was not a mashup, but this was definitely a great hmm. performance. And I did feel the emotion as well because I, I do um, love me some Clayne. Oh, yeah, kind of don't agree with that, but still love the song. <laughs> yeah, sound great on this one again. I think that they, uh, I think this is like one of the only, one of the only like non-mashup songs. This is just strictly Carol King as opposed to the rest of the songs that are going to be Carol King and Alanis Morissette. So that was interesting, but yeah, they sound great together. I think it was just a nice opening as well um, in the way that it was shot with the, with the two of them ending up face-to-face sitting at pianos, even though... Kurt does not play the piano. Kurt does um, also, not play the piano. <laughs> he does not. Also, by the way, Kurt was looking for sheet music for Smash. Mm, so that's just yes. another Smash plug there. You know, the show Smash that I think we should also be doing after Glee. You know, Smash. <laughs> Smash that review button. Five stars. Hit us in the iTunes store. <laughs> I think that's what he's talking about. <laughs> Whatever. Smash. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the two of them are, uh, are are kind of, or at least Kurt is kind of revisiting some old memories as he sees the two of them uh, with Blaine in the blazer, or both of them in the uh, Dalton blazer, just kind of bringing him back through the uh, early days of their relationship in Amman, as you said. Uh, they are sitting down at the piano and finishing the song together. It's a really solid start to this episode here. Uh, the next day, Kurt is going to tell Rachel about his day and about how uh, he just saw Blaine last night, and then he ended up uh, singing in his own head, uh, It's Too Late for the Rest of the night. So uh, they are about to uh, just put together this week's lesson. Uh, Kurt is suggesting, why don't we use Carol King's seminal breakup album, Tapestry, uh, for, for this week? Rachel says that's brilliant, but it's sort of a downer, don't you think? If we're going to do a breakup album, it has to be Jagged Little Pill. It's modern, uh, edgy, and angry, and isn't that the kind of energy we want these new kids to be expressing? Uh, Kurt says, yeah, but I, I bet these kids haven't even heard of Tapestry, and that's just wrong. Uh, Mr. She was a little obsessed with rap and journey. But at least we all left Glee Club with a better understanding and appreciation of all different kinds of music. You know, it's kind of our job to educate them as well as win competitions. Um, Rachel says maybe it was just easier for Mr. Shu because he didn't have a partner to answer to. Uh, Awkward. Uh, She's like, you know, I'm just getting a little worried about this co-teaching thing. I don't want us to start hating each other. Kurt says, well, why don't we just do both albums? We'll make it a mashup week. You know, that's what we do here in Glee Club. Uh, Jagged Little Pill, Tapestry, two great albums written by great singer-songwriters. Uh, Rachel's like, yeah, that's brilliant because we can educate them and get them fired up at the same time. So yes, it's the plan. Uh, these two are still working out the details of the, of how they're going to work as a team, Amon. But uh, that's the lesson here. You know, I'm glad that they chose these two artists because they delivered on music this episode. That's wonderful. But they complain so much to Mr. Shu about, oh, you guys are doing such old, you're doing so many old songs, tired of the journey, tired of the 70s disco shit. Fuck that. And then you turn around and do Carol King and Alanis Morissette. Like, you two are both, like, 19, 20 years old. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, Alanis Morissette is clearly in the 90s. A lot of us grew up listening to her stuff. But it's just not something that I would be like, oh, yeah, let's educate these kids that happen to just be what tops five years younger than us pretty much the same generation it was just kind of like weird like you guys are becoming mr shoe and you don't even realize it <laughs> so the problem yeah. wasn't the problem wasn't the fact that it was old music the problem was that it was dirty i think is the moral of this story <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Because Rachel was definitely singing old ass music uh, from musical theater in the 1960s. So it's, yeah, it's it's the journey of it all, I guess. Uh, we, yeah, we go back to Blurred Lines if anybody wants to. I mean, if uh, we'd rather go back. Well, to... Well, I mean, it would have been past. nice to see like some pushback from the kids. I mean, there is a little bit. Like, in, I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but like, if they're gonna do breakup albums, like, I mean, clearly it's Adele. Like, that's what that's what they would be doing. Like, Never mash up a lot of more set with Adele. That'd be interesting to me. Oh, they've done that before. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go over to the locker room and uh, let's actually set this up a little bit here because we want to uh, make this a little clear about how uh, things are going to be going here in this podcast in relation to uh, the character of Coach Beast. We've actually gotten a couple of messages throughout our time podcasting about people who, of course, are going to get to uh, this portion of Glee and we see, uh, you know, I'm not spoiling anything. If you're here for this episode, you see it all the way through. Uh, Coach Beast is about to begin um, his transition. Uh, right now, at the beginning of this episode and everything pre- uh, predating this uh, in the series, Coach Beast is, um, you know, is presenting as a fee- as, as a woman, as uh, that's uh, what we've always known Coach Beast to, uh, to be. But in this episode, we see that she is transitioning and that's obviously why we've been using she, her pronouns for this entire time. But by the end of this episode, once uh, Coach Beast comes out as being a trans man, we are going to switch over to he, him pronouns uh, just to keep mm-hmm. everything in line with the story and with the character and all that stuff. Um, anything else here? I'm on that. Uh, we should just make sure we flag up. Just to, uh, want everybody to know we're, we're, of course, trying to get it right 100%. Uh, there might be a slip up here or two, but of course, we're all going to mm-hmm. just do our best. If there's anything that we make a mistake along the way, just know that we're sorry and we're working uh, to always make sure we're correct. Yeah, no, I think you put it uh, you put it pretty succinctly. I just think, yeah, we're trying to be as respectful as possible. I know that we've gotten some comments in the past because, you know, Coach Beast has been around for four seasons now. And some people have taken issue with us using uh, she, her pronouns from Jump. And we just wanted to identify her or him the way that he wanted to be identified at the time because there are a lot of trans people that don't feel like they can be uh, open 100% of the time because, you know, they fear for their lives, they fear for their livelihoods, their jobs, all that stuff. So now that he is uh, making this decision to transition, we're going to honor the the transition into the next set of pronouns. So, yeah. It's all about being respectful, guys. How hard can that be? Not very. Martha, anything to add? Um, no, I think we, we've covered it. I mean, it'll be not until a little bit later in the episode that um, Coach Beast um, discloses to Sam and Sue um, his gender identity. So the beginning of the episode, um, Coach Beast is using she, her pronouns publicly. So that's what we'll be using. Um, and then once that scene happens, um, that's when we'll make the transition to using he, him pronouns the same way that he identifies that he mm-hmm. wants people to use publicly as well. So. Yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah, it's a it's a very compelling storyline as we go into uh, season six here. Uh, obviously, this this has never been flagged up prior to here in season six about Coach Beast. So again, that's why nothing. Uh, that's why we had been using those pronouns all the way through up until now. Uh, let's get into it all. Coach Beast is showing up late to practice today. She had some bad sushi last night. Uh, Sam is in the locker room ironing jock straps because 
that's his role here on the team. Uh, uh, Coach Beast is going to ask Sam how practice was. He says it went well, got some good results. Uh, she's like, Sam, the guys love you. Uh, they work hard for you. And, you know, he, you're having the time of your life here. He's telling her that his dream right now would actually be to take over her job when she retires. Uh, she's like, well, I mean, you could do it. You have the gift. Uh, that's why I've been, you know, trusting you to run practice without me a couple days a week. Sam is going to uh, put down the chalk straps and uh, go over to Coach Beast's desk and ask, uh, so I just am curious, are you okay? I'm super grateful about, you know, all of these, uh, the trust you have in me, but people are getting a little concerned about how often you're skipping practice. Uh, she raises her voice a little bit here and says, well, you can tell them all to mind their own damn business. Uh, Sam is like, well, yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. I get that. Totally. None of my business either, but I'm just worried about you. Uh, Coach Beast is going to tell Sam, well, it's my knee. You know, I probably need to have it replaced again. I, I may need to take off a couple of weeks. Sam's like, oh, yeah, that explains the extra leg hair. It must hurt to shave. Uh, Coach Beast is like, yeah, I've been trying to keep it hush-hush, but I feel like the team needs to see me as, you know, Iron Shannon, their in invincible titan. Uh, Spencer's going to come in as well and join them. He's talking about the starters for Friday because he wants to make sure he's getting his shot at quarterback. Uh, Coach Beast is going to tell him, not happening. You're the best receiver we have. Uh, Spencer tries to push back a little bit on this. He's like, I, I played the last four minutes of the game against Central, and then I threw for f uh, four first downs. Coach Beast is, again, going to raise her voice a little bit and be like, and no touchdowns. And you know why? Because you didn't have to th you didn't have you to throw it to I've told you this 50 times you take Fred Flintstone off the brontosaurus and all he is is Wilma with the set of man plums conversation over so coach Beast okay. is going to head out <laughs> Sam tries to comfort Spencer and say oh, tough break buddy I look I, I think you're like a majestic knight riding a horse if it were up to me I would give you a shot a lot of things happen in this scene. Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's. I kind of want to go back to the ironing jock straps for a second because when oh, I go watched for it. when I watched that, I was like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> Let's go back to it. So he picks up the jock strap. He puts it on the ironing board. I don't know if it's washed. I don't want to know if it's washed, but he's ironing it out. Hey, you know, everybody needs to get a pleated package, okay? <laughs> I was like, first of all, why is there an ironing board in the locker room? Like that was just confusing. I was like, that's oh okay. So he's ironing the jock straps. Like he's not he's not ironing anything else. Just a big <laughs> pile of jock straps. Uh, very confusing. But um, yeah, I feel like they kind of in this scene were sort of hitting us over the head a little bit about like there's this mysterious thing that Beast is covering up. We don't know what's going on with Beast, and also we have a little bit of Spencer being this devious. Like he he gets this glint in his eye when Sam says like if it were up to me i'd i'd let you start um so you can tell that spencer's going right. to be um playing a role in this um whatever this mystery is i guess yep 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 what could it be what's going on with beast uh his line uh oh yeah that's why you have extra leg hair down there that makes you know makes total sense because you, your knee is hurting i totally get it sucks yeah. sam. totally sucks oh sam sweet sweet innocent sam typical sam just opening his mouth uh at at times and just whatever uh it'll it'll play out a little bit better than it uh, is starting off here uh we'll get to them i guess in a little bit rachel and kurt are uh, here for their first ever rehearsal and all of the alumni are still here actually not all of them but most of them uh they are so graciously uh bleh, they so graciously agreed to stay an extra week uh jane turns around and asks them yeah how are you guys all still here uh Brittany says that she can bend time and space with her mind so that's hmm. that's why uh rachel and kurt are going to start 
to explain the lesson here, and as they go, it's a whole lot of back and forth, finishing each other's sentences, cutting each other off mid-sentence, because again, they have not figured out the exact system here, so it's really just a mess. Uh, she tell Rachel's going to start off telling them that the Glee Club has a grand and glorious tradition of starting each week with a lesson, blah 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 uh, Quinn's like, yeah, like Katy Perry and show tunes, it's always something. Uh, Kurt says, but not this week, we're not doing that stuff, Quinn. We're extremely excited to kick off this week's lesson with our first musical lesson, Jagged Little Tapestry. Uh, Santana's like, oh, great. Finally, some songs about Rachel's hair extensions. Uh, Rachel says, now, Damn. as you can clearly see, we've combined the titles of those two iconic albums, uh, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, which is celebrating its 20th year anniversary, and Carol King's Tapestry. Uh, so these two iconic albums are sort of like peanut butter or jelly, uh, or, or Reese's, or candy, or this, or that. They just keep cutting each other off. Um, and long story short, Amon, uh, that's the lesson of the week, and they just can't stop fighting. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, the uh, twins are going to be totally Team Carol, and then Roderick and uh, Jane are going to be Team Alanis, which, I mean, I guess it makes kind of sense <laughs> if I think about their personalities. Hmm. It's a perfect fit. Yes. <laughs> Not shoehorned yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought I one thing that bothered me here was when they said it's like Reese's Pieces, because I actually had an epiphany a couple of months ago when I realized that Reese's Pieces don't actually have chocolate in them. And it's literally just peanut butter and like the crispy or the crunchy shell. Um, I had no idea. And I was like in denial about it. And I had to look it up on several different sources. And I realized Reese's Pieces do not ha actually have chocolate in them. Um, so What's I was, like, the crunchy shell? It's not chocolate. It's right. Okay. So I'm chocolate. blowing your minds right now. No, there's no chocolate in them, which is. What are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, look it up because I had the same. Like no, this I was is some bullshit. I had no it's idea. Peanut I was, butter and chocolate. No, it is peanut butter and candy. If I wanted like, peanut butter, I would buy peanut butter. Right. Nope. You buy Reese's pieces. Pieces. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so clearly Reese's Ryan Murphy also did not know this. Of peanut butter. Of what? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I was my mind was blown, just the same as you two right now. So I, when I watched this episode, I was like. Oh, um, I guess the writers of Glee did not do their research, and they thought that Reese's Pieces were also like me. They thought were made with chocolate and peanut butter, um, but they're really I just. Oh, they they got me fucked up. <laughs> I don't want to live in this world where. Reese's I mean, they're, pieces are a they're still delicious. I the taste Reese's... chocolate when I eat them. They were designed to capitalize on the success of the chocolate-covered peanut butter cups, though unlike the cups, they have no chocolate. Ain't this about a bitch wow See? i will never buy these again <laughs> they're still yeah. delicious but i i will admit that when i had that realization um i got some reese's pieces a few weeks later and i was like oh this isn't as good as i thought this doesn't before. feel right <laughs> i was like there's no chocolate no, the in truth. these anymore as if there ever was oh man all right well now that our worlds are flipped upside down uh, <laughs> over in the choir room, they're still, you know, like, like I said, they're setting up the lesson for this week. As Amon said, they split into the two teams. Um, they're talking about working together, using the lesson to grow as a team. Jane is like, I'm sorry, I'm confused. What exactly do you want us to do? <laughs> Tina's like, I'll oh, just sit there and smile. I did it for three years. Uh, so the weekly lesson is to find a partner that has a different style than you work together to mash up an Alanis or Carol song. Kurt and I will demonstrate uh, tomorrow, the next day. Mm, they can't figure that out. Uh, <laughs> 
eventually Santana's going to come in and save the day and say, uh, Rachel, how about since you and Porcelain obviously have some issues to iron out, Brittany and I will go first. And they say that would be great. So Brittany and Santana are going to kick us off when we uh, come back to the lesson here. But for now, that's what's happening. But afterwards, uh, Quinn and Tina are going to head out of the choir room together and they're going to run into Miss Becky Jackson. Uh, well, not after not not until after Quinn and Tina have to settle a little issue they have between the two of them. Uh, Tina asks Quinn to talk for a second because Artie told her that Quinn said Brown was not an Ivy League school. Uh, Quinn's like, that's not what I said. I said it's barely an Ivy League school. <laughs> hmm. Awkward. Um, so they run into Becky. They're like, Becky, we thought you were in college. Becky says, I am, idiot. I came back because I'm in trouble. Oh I need help. I met a guy named Daryl, and now he's my boyfriend, and I'm madly in love. Tina's like, that's amazing. Shut up. I know. I brought him <laughs> home to Lima so he can meet my parents. Quinn's like, okay, so what's the problem? Bitch. The problem is that I lied to him. I told him I was president of every club at this school. And we literally see a montage of Becky out here as like the president of like the B Club and the CPR Society of America, the Scientist Club, the Astronauts Club. Uh, Becky, insane web of lies. I know, whore, but that's not even the worst part. I told him I was in Glee Club. Why would you tell him that? Well, because he was in his Glee club in his high school and Becky wanted to impress him. Uh, so she says, you have to let me sing when the Glee, uh, sing for the Glee club when he comes to the school tomorrow. They agree they will do whatever it takes to help her. I wouldn't do it shit to help her. She didn't piss me off and call me a bitch and a whore and all sorts of stuff. You, you and Daryl better, you better find your own way. Okay? You deal with your own lies. Whore. That's how I'm going to start uh, introducing you to the podcast. And my lovely co-host, Whore, Amon Adwin. How you doing today? You go ahead and try it if you want to. You're going to be one lonely, lonely co-host after a while. <laughs> well, you can just hit me back with a, I'm good, bitch. <laughs> I feel like all of those like insults were so unprecedented, too, because it was like literally just like asking questions like, oh, so what's the problem then? Like, OK, did they really do something that bad? And you, like, approach them. Like, you need their help. Are they supposed to know, like, automatically that you lied about all these clubs that you were in? Like, that's not really an assumption people are going to make just seeing you, Becky. Becky must be a Leo. Uh, Expects her, everybody else to know what they're thinking. That sounds like a a trait that we have. But (laughs) it's fine. Did we sort Becky Jackson? I don't think we did. Did we? No, we did. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. of course. She was an automatic Slytherin. Yeah. Easy Slytherin now. I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so, yeah, Becky's got a new boyfriend and she's a little panicked here because uh, she told him that she was in Glee Club. And, of course, we've talked about this before, that Becky never made her way to the Glee Club. Uh, she's not a singer, but she's still an incredible character on the show. So, of course, that's why she's been around for all these seasons. Uh, but now we're about to see Becky join the Glee Club because she's got this whole lie to work her way out of. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I was so super excited to hear Lauren Potter sing. Super excited. Yeah, well, you might be waiting a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Let's go over to uh, Brittany's bedroom here, and we're catching up with Britanna uh, post-coitus, and they are going to have a conversation here. I mean... (laughs) That pause, though. (laughs) Were you waiting for us to jump in? I just had a feeling that uh, there might be others on the call who are more invested in in this conversation about the details of all of it than I was. But I don't know. Maybe not. 
So the two of them are going to uh, end up just talking a a little bit about, uh, well, Santana says, I'm pretty sure that our fish ancestors crawled out of the ooze and uh, got legs just to be able to scissor. Brittany says, well, no, actually scissoring was invented by the ancient Egyptians, which is weird because actual scissors were not invented for many centuries after that. True story. Is that a true story? I couldn't tell you. I mean, I did look it up and I couldn't (laughs) find any such record of the Egyptians, uh, the Egyptian lesbians scissoring each other, so... But did you find any yeah. proof that that's not true? I didn't find any proof that it's not so, true either. So, <laughs> just saying. You never know. You, you know, I don't think we've you know discovered every single pyramid. So maybe if they dig a little deeper, they'll find some hieroglyphic somewhere. <laughs> Be pretty hard to find hard concrete proof about of that either way. Like I, I don't <laughs> think that there's. I mean, you could probably ask like some etymologist or something who knows like the history of the word scissoring or something, but. Yeah. It's the concept that we're talking about, not the necessarily the word. So I'm going to take Brittany's word on this. Yeah, if, uh, she's very smart. So she's very smart. She knows what she's talking about. Uh, Santana says to Brittany that she's like, I have to say, I'm really kind of digging this back to the future for the Glee Club's uh, deal this week, if uh, for no other reason than to mess with Barry and her sad gay. But we, uh, I have the perfect mashup idea for us to perform this week. Uh, Brittany says, so does she. Santana's suggestion is, uh, I feel the earth move and hand in my pocket. And Brittany's suggestion is just, you ought to know. No mashup there. Santana calls that out and says, no, you were supposed to do a song from each album. Brittany's like, yeah, but I refuse to be restrained by the laws of man. I like to think outside the box. Santana's like, come on, Brit. Like, we're here to help the Glee Club get back on top. And don't you think that teaching them the power of a mashup would totally contribute to that? Brittany says, okay, you know, I may be a genius, but how can I argue with the logic of your giant, generous heart? Come here. Come on in. Uh, you are, we are so awesomely in love, us two. I would totally hate us if I didn't know us. Uh, Santana tells her that she was thinking. She says, I've been thinking. I think you should uh, come back to New York and you and I should live there together. You know, I want to go back to college, NYU or Columbia, and you can just go wherever I get in. You know, you're a genius. That was supposed to be the plan anyway. She went back to New York and your ass wasn't there. You were in like Idaho filming a yeast stat commercial. So, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. This was not like a new, this was not a huge new plan. I thought I I didn't (laughs) think it was super, super out of the blue. Yeah, like we don't talk about the season five finale around here. It's uh, <laughs> we're done with that. Fair. The uh, absence of Santana and uh, oh, sad. So yeah, I mean Amon's right. That was the plan, but now it's the plan again. Uh, Brittany thinks that this is an amazing plan to be back in school together again. Uh, they exchange some "I love yous" and Santana says, "I'm serious. Like living my life with you, Britt, is one of the few things that is actually as good in real life as it is in my imagination, and you make me so happy." And Brittany says, and I'm never going to stop doing just that. As a math genius, I'm one of few people who understands the concept of infinity. And I will love you until infinity, Santana Lopez. And I will love you until infinity too, Brit. Okay, whatever. (laughs) What sound was that? (laughs) Please elaborate. It was a, I'm over it, but it's cute, so I won't talk too much shit. But, like, if I did want to talk shit, then fuck these two, but they're also so great, so never mind. That's what that meant. You know, actually, I think that was pretty much how I interpreted it, so the elaboration (laughs) was not necessary, after all. It's a cacophony of emotion. Uh, Aman, I, I, I mean, we don't have to sit here and talk every time that Britann is on screen about how much we love them. I mean, I, I, I really don't mind it, but maybe it would get a little repetitive. Uh, this is obviously going to kind of be 
Britannis thing in this season. Uh, Santana, I mean, both of them were kind of separated for the past two seasons, but now that we're back here in season six, uh, in this episode, in the last one, and then going forward, it's really going to be about their relationship and where it stands going forward in, in the two of their lives together. And I like that. Yeah, I mean, this this is going to be their main arc, and I think that this, I mean, we know how crazy the Britannia stands are, so you cannot end Glee without, you know, leading to what they're actually going to lead up to with these two, or else the uh, lesbian brigade would be on your asses, so <laughs> there's a lot of wish fulfillment going on right now. Yeah, and uh, Martha, I, I don't think I have to ask, I think that... Uh it would be very rare to find a Glee fan that was anti-Britanna. So if you are that, um, I guess we <laughs> struck gold, but also in the wrong way. Uh, any any thoughts on Britanna here? I'll see myself out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love yeah. them, of course. This was a great scene. I I did tear up multiple times in this episode. I didn't actually tear up in this scene, but I did um, put a little puppy dog eyes emoji in my notes. So I, I guess that means I was close to, to tearing up here. Mm. That's a good emoji. Doesn't yeah. get enough use. It was definitely well, how I was feeling. Yes. Uh, love Britanna. Love their love. Just always will. Uh, so that's what's going on there. They are going to head back to the school very briefly uh, or very shortly to do their mashup. But before they do, we do see Becky back in Sue's office. So just to follow up on that, they're looking through some pictures on uh, Becky's iPad. And uh, Becky's feeling guilty that she lied about everything with uh, Daryl. Sue is talking about how all healthy relationships are built on lies. So, you know, you don't worry about it too much. Uh, she's like, I pledged to be honest with myself at all times. And I ended up just divorcing myself. Uh, so Becky. Becky's freaking out, though. She looks at her phone. He's here. He's here. Like, he's, he's arrived. Uh, they're going to go over to Sue's office, and Sue sits down with the two of them. Uh, we get to meet Daryl uh, and see the, her, him and Becky interacting. And, you know, they're definitely, like, you can see that there is uh, a, a lot of love between these two. I don't know if it's love just yet, but uh, whatever. Uh, but she's not very impressed. She's going to ask him if she can ask him a question. Uh, she says, what are your intentions with Miss Jackson? And he says that he wants to take her out to Fuddrakers for lunch, uh, which we actually we, we got to go. Fuddruckers. 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 <laughs> Fuddrakers. Fuddrakers? Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers. Correct. Um, that's the place I used to go a lot when I was growing up. Um, Amon, have you been there? I have been to fuck uh, fud. Oh my god, fud <laughs> Ruckers. Oh, I like that better than my mess up. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they had some pretty big ass salads. That's all I remember is because my grandmother got a salad. You're like, I don't want anything. I kind of just want thing really small, really small. And then they brought that thing to the table. That thing was like <laughs> as big as Kansas. Okay, it was huge. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my only memory. I think it's gone now. The one in Pittsburgh, at least, is gone. Yeah, the one in my hometown is also gone. But I see them on, like, when I'm driving, I'll sometimes see, like, a sign for Fuddruckers. It's kind of a, a middle mm. America kind of restaurant, I feel like. Um, yeah, they, I like all the references to the restaurants they go to in this episode. They're going to mention Quiznos <laughs> later and, um, obviously, Breadsticks. That's that's a fictional one. But, yeah, I do feel like Fuddruckers and Quiznos, very, very Lima. Yeah, not yes, a New York definitely. thing, so... My apologies to all the Fuddrakers out there. I'm a total Fuddraker. I love. <laughs> no, their food is not that great, but it's a fun, fun atmosphere. I feel like they did, they did do Fuddrakers a bit of a disservice in this episode because they made it seem like the the waiters and waitresses are really mean there, or that's their thing. And I was like, I don't think mm -hmm. that's really what they're known for. But all right. Yeah, 
That's, that's what I know them for now because uh, <laughs> shout out to Glee. Right. But yeah, so they have a reservation. They've got to get going. Uh, nice to meet you, Principal Sylvester. Becky is going to run off after him. And she's like, oh, isn't he so dreamy, coach? Ah! And she's she's happy and she maybe she is in love. I don't know. It seems uh, like a new relationship, but she's head over heels for this guy. So that's that. But um, anybody recognize this guy? The uh, the actor here, I actually don't think uh, mm-hmm. you do. I feel like I've asked you before. Both of you have not watched Thirteen Reasons Why, so nope. no, no, I, will I not. haven't. I don't plan to. <laughs> Can you give me Thirteen Reasons Why you do not plan to watch the show? Um, all the reasons oh, really that are in that the book that I did, <laughs> did not like the book and did not think it was a good premise. So, um, and dare I say, a dangerous premise, but not Maybe a, not a little a, bit, yeah, not a super hot take at this point. <laughs> Yeah, um, of course, uh, the actor here is, uh, yeah, of course, of course, we know his name is, uh, where is his name? It is Justin Prentice. Of course. And of course, we all knew that. Didn't need to rush to go find it. Uh, who plays Bryce Walker on 13 Reasons Why, which was a very prominent role uh, for anybody who did not watch the show. Um, so that's that. Uh, he's here on Glee. And let's go over to the choir room and get things started with the mashup we've been waiting for. Brittany and Santana, one hand in my pocket, mashed up with I Feel the Earth Move, Martha. Wow, this song was incredible. Um, I was definitely, uh, this whole scene, I won't jump into what happens right after the performance, but yeah, I definitely was like, if I wasn't in at this point in the episode, this song was so good. Um, Their chemistry is amazing. Love their outfits. Um, Just the energy of singing in the choir room, a lot of nostalgia there. Um, And yeah, just the two songs. I wasn't like super familiar with either again, kind of like all of the songs in this episode. So I love a good mashup and this was just incredible wow i have wow all caps in my notes here so <laughs> ooh baby when i see your face yellow as a month of may oh darling i can stand it when you look at me that way, way. this was uh this was fun so fun such energy such Love in the air, infectious. It just made me want to just join in. Oh, oh clearly. I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> it's just so fun. Brittany's got a, a great shirt going on with the bacon and eggs uh, on her shirt. Santana's in this black and red dress. Uh, this whole, like, the two of them in these outfits stands out to me for uh, not just this song, but, yeah, as Martha mentioned, uh, what what's about to come here. Uh, everything's going to be fine, 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 and it's just adorable. Uh, everybody's, you know, Puck and Quinn out here singing to each other as well. Um, it's just so cute. The this song, this mashup, it's so damn good. Uh, go revisit this if you have not not uh, watched it in a while if you're listening along with us and not watching the episodes this will be my one part of the episode to tell you to go back to everybody claps for them at the end and Rachel says that's how a mashup is done everybody Santana takes the floor and says no actually this is and rather than me telling you guys or repeating to you guys in Santana's words of what's about to come let me allow you guys to listen in uh, in Santana's own words as she proposes to the love of her life, Brittany S. Pierce. And that is how a mashup is done, everyone. No, actually, this is. Brett, can you take a seat? Okay. 
So I figure that this is as good a place as any to ask you this question, um, mainly because it's going to really upset all the single guys and gals in here. But I want to mash up with you forever, Britt. I mean, some people love someone because they make them a better person, and that's not why I love you, because you've always just wanted me to be myself. You're my favorite person in the whole world. And we're a big deal, you know? Like, no matter how many times we've tried to put our thing down and walk away from it, we can't, because I don't want to live my life without my one true love. And I normally use a lot of words when I'm saying something negative, so since this is the most positive thing I'm ever going to do, I'm going to keep it simple. Brittany S. Pierce. <laughs> Will you marry me? Wait, what is happening? This kind of thing happens in here all the time. Just go with it. Oh my god, I would love to. Really? I would love to. <laughs> oh my heart. My heart. Ah, adorable. Um, of course, a very, very nice, uh, touching, beautiful proposal in the room where they spent all their time uh, and all and grew to to just into each other's arms for years of their lives. Of course, it makes sense for this proposal be t to be taking place here. The only thing about it, though, is afterwards we see the reactions are a little mixed. Rachel and Kurt's mouths are wide open. Roderick's like, what the hell is happening here? Puck's like, this kind of thing happens all the time. Just go with it. Uh, Brittany, of course, says, oh, my God, I would love to. And Santana is a little surprised, but she, uh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, Kurt Hummel is here as well, and he is going to say something now because he doesn't want to forever hold his peace. Uh, Quinn is like, yeah, normally you just do this kind of thing at the wedding. Uh, did you learn nothing from me and Blaine? We're too young to get married, all of us. Tina jumps in and says, well, as somebody who's lived their life jealously attacking the happiness of others, even I can't hate this engagement. You guys are perfect together. Uh, thank you, Tina. And Santana's going to close out this scene with a very harsh look over towards Kurt. So we have a proposal, Amon, uh, just not really accepted by everybody in the room, but still a beautiful proposal nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're going to shit on something, you have to do it at least in private. Like, if you're really that passionate about this, Kurt... Why can't you just pull Santana and Brittany aside later on and be like, you guys, look, I just have to be honest. I just feel like this might be a little bit too preemptive. Maybe you guys should wait a little bit more. I mean, you guys haven't even really been living together. You just got back to Lima, and the only reason that you're back here is because of the Glee Club. Like, are you sure that you want this? All, you know, all, all the concerns that you might be having, even if they all stem from you and your you know, little lonely ass being <laughs> pissed off because Karofsky was in the music store with Blaine. So, like, look, point being, do not try and ruin somebody like this is supposed this should this is this is supposed to be a really really nice thing that shouldn't be marred by your own insecurities okay Fuck that. yeah because it's a hundred percent clearly like from his insecurities like you said like it is not he doesn't even try to mask that he's really just concerned about them like he's clearly just saying like making it all about him and his failed relationship and he's just saying like that they're like if they couldn't do it how could how could Brittany and Santana it's like uh maybe maybe they have a better relationship with you than you guys do I don't know just uh, thinking about that but yeah I do feel like Kurt if you really had to make this statement uh maybe just wait until you're not like ruining this really beautiful and pure moment in the presence of a bunch of other people too yeah it's really shitty yeah <laughs> pretty shitty uh it, Santana luckily is not gonna let it you know totally ruin their moment i mean I mean, the look on her face kind of feels like maybe he did ruin the moment no he definitely did uh but no, either the look way on her face is like i'm gonna get uh. you ass <laughs> yeah uh yeah <laughs> well she wasn't wrong mm-hmm 
Um, so yeah, just a really, really nice moment there for the two of them as, uh, Britanna is now engaged. Love to see it. Uh, we're going to check back in with them shortly, but let's quickly touch back into, uh, into, uh, what's going on with Sue. Sue is in her office with Spencer. Uh, Sue is saying to Spencer, let me get this straight. You want me to fire coach beast? Spencer's like, no, I don't want you to fire her. Honestly, I didn't even want to come here and talk to you. I just have been really mm-hmm. worried about her. Uh, I felt like I had to, you know, she's been acting really weird lately. Uh, how so? Well, first I noticed that Sam Evans has been running practices a lot because she's been absent so much, but also she started yelling like all the time about the stupidest things. So he was like, I can't fire somebody just for yelling. And he's like, no, but listen, here's the kicker. Last night when Coach Beast was locking up, she was wearing this shirt from Victoria's Secret, like a truck driver from the truck driver's collection that was like five sizes too small. And she was scarfing down all these drugs. She had like three bottles of pills on her desk. Uh, Sue was like, okay, well, I appreciate you coming to me, uh, actually. I'm actually quite envious of all the snooping you've been able to do without detection. It's like you're Batman, only gay. I guess it's like your Batman. Uh, Spencer says she's a great coach. I don't want her to get fired. All I'm saying is that if she did, Sam Evans could take over. He's young. He's exciting. He's got a lot of fresh ideas. I don't want her to get fired. But if you fire her... Just saying, like there, there is somebody there. Yeah, it's so sweet of Spencer to come here, just out of the goodness of his sweet little heart. Um, no ulterior motive here. Just a nice guy trying to do the right thing. Um, gotta love Spencer. So gotta love it. Spencer, don't you? <laughs> That's what everybody says when they watch these early episodes of season six. Uh, Spencer, <laughs> homeboy, has a crush on Sam. He has a crush on his starting position that he wants. That's, he wants Sam. I would agree with that one. I don't know if he has a crush on <laughs> Sam, does he? He's got a crush on Sam. I'm feeling it. I mean, it. I guess who doesn't, I guess, is probably the right answer there. The spam shippers are out there. I know it. But I won't, I won't like, lock myself into this as much as some other ones. I won't die on this sword, but I'm sure it's out there. But yeah, it's fair, I guess. He's, under, he's underage, though, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think we want to ship them. <laughs> <laughs> who knows uh so let's go over to the hallway we'll, we'll get of course back to uh spencer and, and coach beast and all that stuff in a bit but this is a moment that i know that aman has been waiting for for a long time now so let's get into it we're in the hallway uh rachel and kurt are talking about how rachel thinks that kurt's not being supportive and kurt says yeah you're right i'm not being supportive i'm not going to support something that i know from personal experience is a horrible decision that they're going to regret Santana comes by and asks Kurt if she can have a word with him. Rachel says, okay, I'm going to go. Nope, unibrow, stay. And Santana is going to just have a little chat with Kurt here. Kurt, I took what you said to heart, and I thought long and hard about it, and it occurred to me that you may have a point. Okay, maybe Brittany and I are too young to get married. I mean, after all, that's why it didn't work out with you and Blaine, right? Or maybe it didn't work out because you're a judgmental little geronophile with a mouth like a cat's ass. Maybe Blaine got tired of hearing your shrill, self-aggrandizing lecture about how you felt the two of you were at the very apex of the gay rights movement every time you so much as cooked macaroni and cheese together. Or farted. Maybe Blaine didn't want to be with someone who looks like they just removed their top row of dentures every time they smile. Or someone who doesn't dress like an extra out of one, out of, one of Andy Dick's more elaborate wet dreams. 
Maybe Blaine grew weary of dating a breathier, more feminine Quinn Fabray. Maybe he finally got freaked out about your strange obsession with old people that causes you to skulk around nursing homes like one of those cats that can smell cancer. Maybe he got tired of watching you drape yourself on every piano you happen to pass to entertain exactly no one with, say, some song that Judy Garland choked on her tongue in the middle of, or some sassy old Broadway standard made famous by another dead alcoholic crone. Maybe Blaine woke up one day and said, you know what, I don't want to marry a sexless, self-centered baton twirler. Maybe I need to marry someone who knows more than three dance moves. The finger wag, the shoulder shimmy, and the one where you pretend to twirl two invisible rainbow-colored ribbons attached to your hips. So you know what, maybe that's why it didn't work out. Maybe it has nothing to do with me and Brittany. Maybe it's just that you are utterly, utterly intolerable. Maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> why did Rachel have to stay for this? <laughs> she wanted a witness. <laughs> Santana is going to march off after all of this and uh, the sign above her, uh, she has, uh, I guess, gotten it changed to say, get your crap together. Uh, as it's a like last... she was delivering a package to Kurt and she needed Rachel there to sign off on it. <laughs> yes. Oh man, a lot to unpack here. Do we do we go line by line? Do we go uh, do we go uh, pick out a couple of things? I mean, the the dance moves she was imitating on on point. I mean, she's got him clocked on that. The finger wag, the shoulder shimmy, and the one where you begin to twirl two invisible rainbow colors. <laughs> Not rainbow color. Oh god. <sighs> I do like the old people burn, too, because a nice callback to the Peter Pan episode, which was one of the weirdest yes. of season five. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite one. Mm-hmm. And the, the cats that can smell cancer, the, 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 the mouth like a cat's ass, lots of feline. Uh, Lane, <laughs> Lane grew weary of dating a more uh, a breathier, more feminine Quinn for Bray. Is that how yeah, people that were describing burn. Kurt? That was a burn. <laughs> It's a bit of a burn on Quinn, too, uh, which is, it a, is, you know, double meaning there. Uh, there's layers to this. Um, also love the macaroni and cheese or farted. For poor Judy Garland. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So two things here. Uh, one is just a shout out to Naya Rivera, who obviously, uh, like, absolutely smashes it with uh this entire monologue and you know uh you know that she memorized that in like five minutes if you've heard any stories from the glee cast who have uh made many comments about the fact that she was able to take these monologues that were like 30 pages long uh which i mean this is the the probably the longest most lengthy one that she had and uh have it down within like an hour and uh, next thing you know she was out here doing the whole thing so shout out to her because of course that was just uh some incredible work on this monologue they gave her um but the other thing about this is that I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but um, it's it's kind of made its way around the internet over time that uh, I think this all kind of got brought to light a little bit. Not that there's anything like scandalous or crazy, but uh, Naya and Heather had been on the Showman's podcast with Kevin and Jenna, and they were talking about this scene at one point, and Naya had made a comment about how, yeah, I didn't like doing that scene very much. Chris uh, Colfer took a lot of the lines personally because it kind of really blurred the lines between... Uh, Kurt the uh, the character and Chris the actor so she felt like she was like attacking Chris when she was saying mm. the whole thing and of course she had to do the entire thing you know how many different takes did it need to be done for um, I think there was also like an interview where she talked about it as well besides that so she was just saying yeah I blurred the lines too much and I didn't really like it she's like I had to keep apologizing to him and being like I'm sorry I, I didn't write it so a little awkward about that but yeah a lot of these burns are about his appearance so I could see I mean 
like I do feel like Chris Colfer, um, sorry, but this is a little bit part of the job, but I, I it's, his feelings are valid. I will say that. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do think the writers maybe could have done a little bit more of the attacking Kurt as a character rather than uh, this person's appearance. So I, I do feel for him a little bit. Oh, I think he deserved every moment of that. <laughs> What did Chris Colfer no do to prisoners. you? No prisoners. No prisoners. <laughs> not Chris Kurtz. Oh, we're talking look. about Chris here. <laughs> I know. But, like, look, if you are going to be an actor, sometimes things about your physical appearance right. are going to bleed into the, into the script. And that's just, you know, something that you're going to have to deal with. So what? You got a mouth like a cat's ass. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Somebody like you said. It. Blaine Kurt- liked it at a point, so... <laughs> Kurt, the character, definitely deserved this. Like, I mean, he also, it made it better that he didn't, like, he did He did kind of take it well. Like, he just stood there the whole time. It's not like he burst, burst into tears or stormed off or anything. So that made me feel a little bit like I was okay to laugh at it. But he also, yeah. like, did he had it coming. He definitely didn't, didn't uh, treat his friendship with Santana very well earlier in this episode. So kind of don't know what, what else he expected at Santana. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cut ahead a little bit here. We're going to see Kurt and Brittany head over to the auditorium. Uh, Brittany is putting together a little project uh, as a engagement gift for Santana using a bunch of Mounds bars. Uh, Kurt asks her why she's using Mounds bars, and she's like, he's like, aren't jelly beans more traditional? Uh, Brittany explains, of course, of course, dummy. Mounds bars are the lesbians of candy. Jelly beans are like the gays. Um, and I've used my better than yours math brain to figure out exactly how many minutes Santana and I have spent together. So I'm putting these mini mounds bars inside the giant jar to give her as an engagement present. Uh, Kurt apologizes for interrupting the proposal. He admits that he's bitter. He's like, I have a firm belief that people shouldn't get married until they're 30. But I believe in you and Santana. You remind me of Blaine and me. <laughs> and Brittany clocks him and says, yeah, except for the fact that we're actually still together. Uh, Kurt's like, I'd like to believe that we're just on a hiatus. Uh, Brittany says, and I'd like to believe that Lord Tubbington isn't secretly videotaping me while I'm in the shower and selling it on Craigslist. Doesn't make it true. Okay, look, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but Blaine is moving in with Dave Karofsky. Um, I was just helping them decorate yesterday, and we cut back to see the apartment that was decorated for uh, Blaine and Karofsky. Martha, how would you describe this apartment besides gay, um, gay, 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 gay? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that um, I do feel like it kind of takes on uh, Santana's uh, burn on the, the, the rainbow flag twirling um, to a whole new level here because it's literally just like a ton of rainbow flags, um, no bed. Um, that's very important, uh, but everything is just decorated in rainbow. I, I will say I'm definitely not going to be uh, hiring Brittany anytime soon for interior design. Yeah. Aman, uh, do, you, do you want to explain to our listeners why there was no bed? Because whenever she pictured the two of them banging, she pictured a U-Haul mounting a... What was it? A, a moped. truck. Oh, okay. A moped. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. So why not just so... get a big-ass bed? <laughs> right. Well, you know, that logic there didn't totally add up. Just like the Mounds Bars thing didn't totally add up. But I guess I'm just not on Britney's uh, genius level. So that's, I shouldn't even try to make it add up. Exactly. Uh, she tells Kurt back, uh, we're back in, uh, away from the flashback, you need to start getting over him. You know, move on, start seeing somebody else. I'm sure there's another person in this world who will understand and appreciate your particular brand of eccentricity. Uh, Kurt says, I know, I just feel like if I start seeing somebody else or even go on a date, then I'm going to be admitting that it's over and I, I don't want to do that. 
Uh, Brittany says, you know, these Mounds bars are delicious, but you have to eat them. If you're just going to hold them in your hand, hoping that you might one day eat them, they're going to melt. And then you're just going to stand there looking like somebody pooped in your hand. Don't let waiting for things to maybe work out with Blaine turn you into the guy who looks like somebody just pooped in, pooped in your hand. Uh, Kurt smiles and tells her that he's missed her. And she says, I know. I'm awesome. Which she is. And the uh, comparison works for me. It's, it's good. Oh, I mean, here we go with Brittany once again. Clearing the path. Shining a light. Um, helping people, you know get back on track with with what they should have been doing a long time ago because Kurt really hasn't had anybody to talk to I mean Rachel was in seclusion for the longest time I don't think that even I mean maybe he spoke to his dad a little bit but no one can really really help um because they don't have that perspective and I feel like Brittany is someone that has a similar perspective so good for him good for her great great uh friendship moment can either of you think back to like the the two of their friendship in past seasons like are we Am I, am I forgetting things that have happened between these two? Because this is not the first time in this season, or sorry, this is not the last time in the season that we're going to see um, a bit of investment into the friendship between these two characters. You know, we'll get into I that mean, more well, in some later episodes. She's always but... admired Kurt. Like, I mean, back in season three, she called him his her unicorn. Like, so. right. That's true. Yep. I was going to say the unicorn thing. Yeah, they're kind of building off of that. We don't get a lot between the two of them, but that, that was definitely something that was like a standout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've just kind of always been on somewhat different paths. Uh, obviously, both of their storylines are significant in the fact that they are the two or are, are part of the two LGBTQ plus couples on the show. So, you know, they've been kind of doing their own things along the way rather than like intertwining those stories. But, you know, uh, season six, let's see if we can mix them up a little bit. So that's that. That's that. That's what's going on there. Uh, we are going to see before all of this, actually, we saw Becky getting some dance lessons with Tina and Quinn uh, and she's done after like 10 minutes. She's got to go. She's got a dinner date uh, all ready to go. All right. Slots. I'm out. Uh, they're like, look, Becky, if you're too tired, just say so. You don't have to lie to us. She's like, I'm not lying, but here's a lie. Uh, you guys getting into college. <laughs> oh, snap. Freshman 15's in the house. They're like uh, valedictorians. Daryl. What are they talking? What is she talking about? Did she say that you guys got skinny in college? Isn't that what she said? Oh, is that what she said? It sounded like she said you guys got into college. I'm pretty sure but she I guess said that make sense. you guys got skinny in college. Oh, uh, I guess that makes sense because of the freshman 15. Right. <laughs> I was like, did I misinterpret that? No, I'm pretty sure she said, here's the lie. You guys got skinny in college. You might know. You're, you're totally, that would make a lot more sense. <laughs> Um, this could be an issue where I caught, am caught up on the transcript because I probably copy and pasted it and maybe it was missing a word or something I deleted. Um, but at least when the transcript is wrong, I can uh, admit it right off the bat, unlike uh, other people on this call. I think she says you got skinny in college, but it sounds like you guys getting in college. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, she wouldn't say the freshman 15 thing if it was just about getting into college, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I didn't question it too much because of the whole interaction that they were having earlier about uh, Brown not being an Ivy League school. So I was mm. like, oh, maybe it's just a cheap joke about like not <laughs> getting back. into a good college. I didn't think into it much. I'm pretty sure it's the skinny thing, but um, you maybe. You are probably right. <laughs> and uh, Martha, you should be hosting this podcast instead of me, but it's fine. Uh, so Daryl's going to come by and say they have to go. They have to go make their reservation. Becky runs out all happily. Uh, she's, she's excited to go on the date. Uh, Quinn is morally outraged and Tina's like, thank you. Uh, me too. I've gained five pounds max. Quinn's like, we have to go talk to Sue. 
And Tina's like, oh, right, about Daryl, of course. Uh, so they're going to go off uh, to do that. Later on, we're going to see Roz Washington is back here, uh, sadly, in the last episode of Roz in Glee. No! Uh, she's got Daryl in Sue's office, and she is grilling him hardcore, questioning him about his motivations, his intentions. He's like, I, I don't see what the problem is here. Uh, the problem is your dating coach, Sylvester's daughter, Robin, and she is not okay with it. Uh, hey, Roz, we're not talking about my daughter, Robin. We're talking about Becky Jackson. She's not my daughter. I thought your daughter had Down syndrome. Oh, no, my daughter does have Down syndrome, as did my late sister. However, Becky Jackson also has Down syndrome, but she is merely my best friend and confidant. Uh, so let me get this straight. Your daughter, your sister, and your best friend all have Down syndrome? What? 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 I mean, it's a valid question. Yeah, especially since she's uh, like, it, it really proves uh, the whole point of the episode with this relationship that like Sue's like, Sue has a lot of friends and relationships of people who have Down syndrome, and she's questioning somebody like herself who is not does not have Down syndrome having a relationship with somebody with Down syndrome. So it's like, okay, well, Sue, what's the point? Like, what? Where's the line for you? Like, you clearly have relationships with people with Down syndrome, and why can't Daryl? So I do feel like that was a a pretty on the nose little line there from Roz of like, okay, what, what, what's happening now, Sue? Yeah. Yeah. And as we go Definitely. into this scene, I feel like I did notice that like Sue kind of is taking a bit of a backseat. Like, it's not like she's not having the same questions that everybody else is grilling him about, but like she kind of isn't pressing into him as much. Of course, she's going to ask the big question. Uh, maybe I should just get into it, but um, it feels like she kind of takes a step back. Like she knows what's right and what's wrong in this, but she doesn't really stand up and say it because she's still concerned about Becky? Am I, is there anything there? I don't know. I mean, I think we could agree that if uh, if, if Daryl was dating baby Robin, then that would be a problem. <laughs> but yeah, I, think, I do. I think you're right, Matt, that she does sort of do a little bit of self-reflection, at least as much as Sue Sylvester is capable of doing, because um, she does yeah. sort of do a little, take a little backseat in the rest of this conversation. Right. So Quinn and Tina are both there grilling Daryl about where did you guys meet? We have some questions for you. Uh, they met at Quiznos across the street from her college. She came in and ordered every sandwich on the menu. And then she tried to pay with, pay with a $10,000 bill that she counterfeited. Uh, he's like, I thought she was really cool and funny. And we started to hang out. Uh, and Tina says, and when you say hang out, what exactly do you do? It's like probably the same things that you do. You may find this shocking, but it turns out that people with Down syndrome actually like doing the exact same things that other people do. Quinn says, we're, we're just trying to make sure that nobody's taking advantage of her. What do you mean taking advantage of? Oh, you know, like doing certain things with her that might not be appropriate. He's like, why don't you guys quit beating around the bush? Just ask me the question that you're obviously dying to ask. And this is where Sue is going to step in. And she says, OK, I'll ask. Are you having sex with Becky? And he says, no, not yet. Our relationship hasn't gotten to that point, but at some point it might. And if we do have sex, I don't see what's wrong with that. And the girls are like, are you kidding? Everything is wrong with that. It's gross. It's weird. Uh, is it gross when you guys have sex? Quinn's like, don't make us out to be bigots. Becky's our friend and we're trying to protect her. And Daryl's going to stand up here to them all in everybody in this room and say, no, you're not. You're trying to protect yourselves from something you find uncomfortable because it doesn't fit your preconceived notions about what a relationship is. You know, when Becky and I first started dating, I actually called the National Association 
Association for Down Syndrome, I asked them the exact same questions. And you know what they told me? That there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Come on, guys. You sit there and tell me that Becky doesn't have the right to live a normal life just because she has Down Syndrome. I think that's flat out wrong. And you should be the ones explaining yourselves, not me. He's going to head right on out. Uh, Becky's not here for this scene, which I don't know that I flagged up, but uh, a noteworthy part about this all. Uh, it's just him in the room with everybody else. And Sue is uh, surprised that did not go the way that she pictured it, Amon. Yeah, I mean, this is um, this is interesting for me because I totally I totally like what Daryl is doing here. Like he's. And like you guys are doing a lot of talk about how you know you're accepting and all of this, but you see me dating Becky, and then you have a bit of a problem with it, as if Becky doesn't deserve the same amount, you know, of affection that anybody else does. But on the other hand, it's like they're not used to people treating Becky. I mean, it's like McKinley is like this bubble, right, where they seem like they, they it seems like they've created like this progressive little space for everyone and tried to make room for everyone. And so when you see people outside of the bubble, you're automatically distrusting because it's like, well, did they did they grow up in a McKinley? Or are they out here for some sort of like nefarious uh, scheme or something? And a lot of, I mean, because I did a little bit of reading about this and some people believe that um, there are people with Down syndrome that are high functioning. There are people with Down syndrome that are not so high functioning. And some, some people believe that people with Down syndrome never really get to the same mental fortitude as typical adults, right? So when dating someone with Down syndrome, there are a lot of people that have a problem with it because it's like you are dating someone maybe with the mind that's not, you know, that will never be as formally developed as yours. So it's sort of like, it's like you're taking advantage of them. So like, I can totally understand Sue's apprehension because I'm sure having growing up with her sister and now she has, she's, you know, been protecting Becky all this time. She has a, a daughter with Down syndrome. It's like, she knows all about Down syndrome. She knows all about, you know, the things that she needs to do to help them live lives as normally as possible. So when you get somebody that's like trying to date you know, Becky is like, what the hell do you think you're doing, sir? Like, because I know that I know that I'm experienced with Down syndrome. Are you? Do you know what you're getting yourself into? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I get it. It's, it's really hard. Like, I don't really know. I think it's like a really big gray area than more than I when I did some more thinking about it. I was like, eh, I can kind of see it from both ends now because it's, it's you know, it's kind of uncharted ground. A, a typical adult dating someone with Down syndrome. I, th- I think what's important here is like, yes, uh, it's good for Sue to question it just because she Becky's important to her. And she I think she would probably question any person that Becky was dating, um, regardless of their um, their their mental state. Um, so I think that it's important um, for Sue to, you know, protect her uh, best friend and confidant, as she calls her. But I think when we see what Daryl talk, like the way that Daryl talks here, I was just very um, moved. And I think that he is so clearly like just really likes Becky and is very interested in her. And the way that I mean, the, his response is so clearly just pure and not nefarious in any way that I think that the way it's explained mm-hmm. is very clear that like I don't think that there should be a problem with this relationship now it's not to say I mean we don't want to make generalizations about like any kind of relationships for anybody or any people but in this case mm-hmm. I think that Daryl and Becky's relationship I think we can uh, say is a good one and we can say is a safe one and I don't think that I mean I I thought that this speech that Daryl gave I wouldn't mean, as a as a television viewer, it was very um, moving, and I just was like, yeah. "Oh, Daryl, Daryl, my king!" Like, I just loved it. So, um, <laughs> I, I do think it's important to think critically about these kinds of things. But in this case, I think that Daryl and Becky's relationship, um, I stand. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and I appreciate the fact that it's uh, that is it is this character Daryl who we don't know from a hole in the wall. This is the first episode that we're meeting him, so we're able to just like kind of get this perspective from somebody who, like, we just believe what he's saying. Uh, no reason not to that he, he's done the research. He cares about her. It's not somebody that like like yeah. <laughs> they pull back in Karofsky to come date Blaine, and it's like, is there ulterior motives here? Like, what's happening behind right. the scenes? Like, we just know that this guy is somebody who genuinely cares about Becky. That's all we know him to be. So uh, we're gonna trust that, and uh, everything that he's saying lines up with the ability to trust him on that. So. Um, I, I definitely agree with everything that you guys were saying there. So uh, good stuff from our King Daryl. He's uh, <laughs> uh, a legend within a very quick uh, time frame here. Yes. So we'll see a little bit more from them later. We go over to the auditorium and it's time for another mashup with uh, Jane and Mason. Actually, is this a mashup? This isn't a mashup, is it? It's... It is. No, a it was. I'm it sorry. was. I'm sorry. It's a mashup. Um, my notes just were messy, but it is, of course. Jane and Mason are going to be doing a mashup of "Will You Love Me Tomorrow" and "Head Over Feet." Um, Aman, do you want to take this one? Tonight with words unspoken. I love this song so much. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. They sound so good. Tomorrow. Nobody wants to harmonize. Uh, cool. <laughs> Billy you, you Lewis did great on your Jr.'s own. Junior's voice. His voice sounds so good. Like mm-hmm. it made me weak in the knees. I just, I can't say enough good things about this guy's voice. I just love it so much. The tone of it, the timbre of it, and then you, you get some Jane in there too. It's just like a, it, it just works. Perfectly, and these are two songs that you wouldn't expect to get mashed together. And but when they when they are, it's just it's heavenly. I love like chocolate and peanut butter. It's like it's like Reese's pieces and jelly, peanut butter and jelly, and uh, the (laughs) Reese's pieces and jelly. (laughs) Reese's pieces and jelly. Uh, Yum, yum, great combo. I couldn't agree with you more, Amon. This is such a freaking good cover. Such a beautiful like debut uh, mashup from these new directions. Uh, Jane and Mason here. Their voices sound so good together. Billy Lewis Jr. Yeah, uh, I can't disagree with you about that at all. Um, you see everybody, everybody's here watching them, by the, by the way, Kurt and Rachel, of course, and all the alumni and, uh, all the rest of the new directions, all two of them. Uh, I don't know where Kurt and Rachel got these beanbag chairs, uh, a little curious about that, but they, uh, that's where they're watching from. It's just such an adorable performance number. Uh, anything else to add to uh, this number, Martha? Oh, it was just so good. I mean, I completely agree. I think it made me a little bit upset when I was rewatching it, having just watched the rest of season six, that I was like, this is really the only song we're ever going to get from Mason. I mean, that's correct, right? Like, we get some solos in a couple songs, but this is really his only big feature. Um, and this song was so good, and they had such a good chemistry, like their voices together, and I just mm-hmm. loved it. So, great, great performance. Such good Fantastic. stuff, and we think so. Uh, somebody who doesn't think so, Kurt Hummel. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the, the entire time that this is... The entire time this is going on, Kurt is like picturing more of like 
flashbacks to things that revolve around him and Blaine. He just can't stop thinking about him and them. Um, I literally felt like it was like a clean fan edit that they might've pulled off the internet <laughs> from one point or another. Uh, and it's just clips of them the first time they met and Dalton and this and that, and just whatever. Uh, but that's why I guess he wasn't a big fan of it, probably because he wasn't paying attention to it. Uh, but he gets up and he tells them that the singing could have been a, a whole step higher. Mason, you're a cheerleader. This could have used some choreography, some variety, complexity. Oh, uh, bitch, go home. <laughs> Kurt is just such a grump in this episode, <laughs> like unclench. <laughs> unclench, yeah, yes. <laughs> Uh, Rachel stands up for them. He's like, Kurt, she's like, Kurt, it was their first time. He's like, have you forgotten what the competition looks like? You're forgetting how hard Mr. Shu had to push, push us to be champions. Uh, she's going to pull him aside to talk to him privately. He says that his problem is that she's just telling the kids what they want to hear. We're in this to win this and we are a long way from it. Brutal honesty is our only hope. Uh, she's like, you know, these clashes that you're creating, they're not proactive and they're hurting the team right now. I think you should just go home and I'll take it from here. So he's going to head out and take his cranky pants home. But yeah, something uh, he ate something funny this morning, rolled up on the wrong side of the bed. Thank God for that. Thank God he's going to date that old guy soon because that's going to make him a lot happier, I think. Yeah, uh, at least he'll get some and like maybe they'll <laughs> exactly. just, you know, I don't know, wind him down a little bit. But so that's that. Um, let's. Take a break from Angry Kurt and check in in the locker room. Sue is meeting up with Coach Beast and uh, Sue wants to have a frank discussion with her about something that uh, she says, uh, Shannon, you might find uncomfortable, but I just don't want you to grab me by the throat and crotch and hurl me in, hurl me into the wall behind me because I believe you're fully capable of doing that. Uh, she wants to talk about how she's had more than one individual at the school concerned about Coach Beast's well-being uh, upon observation of a sharp change in her behavior. And uh, after two or three milliseconds of deep soul searching, I decided to exercise exercise my authority as principal and rifle through your desk drawers. Uh, and I found several prescription bottles, uh, se prescription medicines among them. GNRH that Wikipedia tells me is a steroid used for certain medical treatments. So Shannon, I'm going to ask you something and I need you to an answer me. Honestly, coach beast. Do you have cancer? And coach beast has this very, very relieved look on her face because of course we know that that's not the case, but she obviously is realizing here that Sue does not know what is actually going on. So gut reaction, Coach Beast just says, yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know this is a huge inconvenience. Uh, Sue is like, Shannon, just stop stammering. Uh, you know, you and I haven't always seen eye to eye. And I'm not just using that metaphor because you look exactly like how I picture the Greek mytho uh, myth mythology's legendary Cyclops. I, I promise you I'm going to do everything I can to help you. Shannon, obviously, you know, knowing that this is not the, the case is like, Sue, you really don't have to. Sue says everything, Martha. She's going to do everything to help her through this cancer treatment. Yeah, I mean, Sue really just um, has she has an interesting arc this episode because she's going to be extremely supportive of Coach Beast. And I mean, here, Sue believes that uh, Coach Beast has cancer. And so it, it uh, is not necessarily like this biggest. Like, it's not it's not like the viewers are shocked that Sue's going to support somebody who has cancer. Um, but yeah, Sue is very she's a very good friend to coach beast in this episode, even, even when coach beast is not necessarily telling the truth. So I do see you, like you said, you kind of see some relief in Beast's eyes when Sue says um, that it's cancer. It's like a good excuse um, or a good um, reason that, that uh, beast can, can use right now. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think that the fact that Sue reacts so positively, I'm not, not positively, but like reaching out support so quickly, I think that's mm -hmm. going to help um, coach beast feel comfortable 
completely disclosing um, in the next scene with with Beast and Sue. Yeah, think back to uh, they, these two have had a relationship before. Obviously, it started off not great when uh, Coach Beast first arrived on the scene. But then over time, when Coach Beast was dealing with some issues back at home, Sue was like there for her and was like, I, I want you to be safe. I want you to be happy and uh, you can come stay with me if you need to. So they've developed something over time. Um, let's just cut right ahead to kind of put this all together here. Later on, Sam is going to come running into Sue's office. Uh, he was asked to come join in here. Coach Beast says to Sam, you must, I'm sure you've noticed that I've been acting kind of weird lately. I've been taking a lot of personal days and stuff. Truth is I've been seeing some doctors. Uh, Sue says, okay, this is taking too long. Coach Beast is trying to tell you that she has cancer. You have cancer? Uh, Coach Beast is like, no, I don't have cancer. Wait, you don't have cancer? Who lies about having cancer? This is an outrage. Uh, what are you trying to get out of jury duty or explain away a bad haircut? Like, why else would you lie about having cancer? Uh, Coach Beast is going to show them a note that explains everything. It is a letter from uh, Coach Beast. Of course, we're going to start to switch into the he him pronouns here. Uh, Coach Beast is showing a letter from his psychologist, Dr. Shane. It is an assessment that uh, patient Shannon Beast meets all the necessary criteria for a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Uh, Sue is like, holy mother of God. Sam doesn't understand what's going on here. This entire scene, as it continues to play out, Sam is going to really kind of take on this role of, I've never heard of anything like this before, and I truly do not know what to say, what to do, how to react. Uh, so he doesn't know what's going on. Coach Beast explains, it's kind of like, uh, what's going on is that, you know, your outsides, they don't match how you feel you are on the inside. So this letter right here is my first step into legally transitioning from a woman to a man. Uh, and he's like, I, I don't get it. So you're you're like a lesbian. Coach Beast is like, kiddo, this isn't about who I want to go to bed with. It's about who I want to go to bed as. And I've always been attracted to men. They say that's not going to change. Uh, Sam is like, so you want to be a gay man? Sue so was like, wow, I really thought I've heard every conceivable version of a gay man coming out. Uh, but yeah, uh, Amon, Sam is just really confused here. And uh, Coach Beast is going to further explain that she's uh, he's always felt like this. Uh, he doesn't hate being a woman. He just uh, doesn't regret the things that he's gone through. They've made him the person he is today. Uh, somebody strong enough to go through with this transition. And he needs to do this for his own peace of mind to get his body in alignment with how he sees himself. Um, and Sam is going to need to take over as Coach Beast is going to start procedures to have his uh, breasts removed and then start taking testosterone and too many details that is uh, Sue's not really here for. So uh, point is Sue is being supportive, saying your job will be here when you get back. Sam, of course, not understanding what's going on, but still uh, supportive and quite uh, asking questions just to further understand what's happening here. And Coach Beast taking a very big, brave step here, uh, Amon, to uh, into doing what he's always felt he needed to do. Yeah, a very good, a very big step, very brave step. And I think that a bit of it was helped along by Sue because of the fact that, you know, when even though it was a, a lie about the cancer, there was like a level of compassion that Sue was like, you know what, I'm going to do everything that I can mm -hmm. to help you. Like, and so I felt like at that point in time, he was like, well, if she was willing to go that that far for me for cancer, then maybe she is someone that I can trust with this information. And so I'm glad that he was able to like finally get that off his chest. And his suspicions were confirmed because she said, look, your job will be waiting for you. Like, it's going to be OK. Like, well, don't. Don't worry about anything right now. Just, you know, you, you you go and you do what you need to do. And so I'm glad that he's out and he's uh, taking the first steps to being who he truly is or who's been all along. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that this scene um, and this uh, the subsequent scenes in, in episodes after this, um, this one um, with with Coach Beast are handled fairly responsibly. I mean, there's a few things that can be um 
I, th- I guess, thought about critically. And of course, the first one is the fact that Dot Marie Jones is um, a cisgender woman um, and the cisgender woman is playing a trans man. Obviously, that's not um, the most responsible way to handle this kind of um, topic. But of course, this was 10 years ago. I don't know how long ago exactly, but or seven, five years ago. I don't know. Um, but yeah, five or six. Yeah, five or six years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but um, hopefully now yeah, yeah, yeah. people can do better. But the other thing I want to just draw attention to, um, because, you know, as, as a Harry Potter podcaster, this has been a, a topic that I've done a fair amount of research in and just trying to um, be as oh, as aware of as possible, especially in recent months, given um, the Harry Potter authors, um, bigotry and hate. So um, I just wanted to share quickly a, a quick note from um, one of one of my listeners who is non-binary and was clarifying a few points um, for uh, people in our patron group, and which is the fact that gender dysphoria, which is what Coach Beast in this case is diagnosed with, is not a catch-all term for transgender. Um, I don't think that that's really explained in this episode. Um, and I think maybe viewers might come away thinking that it is, um, that gender dysphoria is something that many transgender people do experience, but it's not necessarily the catch-all term the way that it's kind of explained here. So it is a, it is a diagnosis that can lead to um, people going under or undergoing mm-hmm. uh, the gender confirmation surgery. But um, in this case, it's just something that Coach Beast experiences. It's not necessarily like the defining moment that makes him trans. Um, so I just wanted right. to, to share that. But I do think that other than those two brief things, this this scene is handled quite responsibly. I really appreciate seeing Sam and Sue so supportive, even though Sam has all these questions. Um, Coach Beast is willing to answer them and there's they're clearly coming from a place of love and support. So I do think this scene is very... Um, very heartwarming, you know, and it's good, like Amon said, to see um, Coach Beast really um, disclosing and and being who who he has always been. So yeah, yeah. and trusting them enough yeah. to to relay all this information and know that he's in a safe place here, uh, which mm-hmm. you know could be questionable at times, especially around Sue. But uh, you know, again, that relationship has been built up enough where uh, Coach Beast uh, is able to come here and feel comfortable about that. So that's obviously a good thing. And yeah, this show has not always been uh, the most sensitive towards the topic of transgender people. I mean, look at how things went down with Unique. Uh, and, you know, we'll get into uh, some uh, an episode in the future where Unique is actually going to come back. We'll get to that when we get there uh, for an episode this season. But Unique, everything that was going on with her, like, you know, there were times where, you know, people were uh, were accepting, people were not accepting of her. Uh, but then there was that whole episode where Sue put the, the porta potty mm. in the room with like the question marks all over it. And it just was, was treated as a joke, you know, for a long time there. So uh, they obviously, you know, worked to correct that, I guess, here by making sure they got this as right as possible. But yeah, um, definitely things that could have been improved. So mm-hmm. um, and Martha, am I correct that you over on the Real Weird Sisters podcast, have you guys done a couple of podcasts recently, like one or two or something? Yes, about- we've, many, actually. <laughs> um, I, yeah, thanks okay. for the <laughs> thanks for the chance for a plug. Yeah, because uh, we've ha- we've had a great opportunity to speak with several different um, trans and non-binary people who have shared their experiences and um, shared their research specifically. Um, we had my, one of my former professors, um, Oak Reed, who's um, a he's doing his uh, PhD clinical psychology um, research right now on 
um, transgender prejudices and uh, prejudices against our trans people in general and how that develops and how to reduce those things. So we did a, a special episode with him. We did a special episode with Jesse Gender, who's a um, YouTuber. Um, and we also did an episode with um, the, the listener that I mentioned earlier um, about um, mental health issues in the Harry Potter series. So quick plug for all three of those. We also may have more coming up um, where we've reached out to other people, but it's been a great opportunity. I mean, you know, silver lining, I guess, of of all this J.K. Rowling. Uh, I haven't even said J.K. Rowling's name in such a long time. We always just refer to her as the author. Um, so all of this, <laughs> all of this uh, bullshit with her. Um, it's been a good opportunity, at least, to um, get more voices in our community. So, yeah, definitely shout out to those episodes. Um, check that out if you haven't already. And, and not to, not to get like depressing or anything, but like, isn't it like awful that the last time we talked, this was bad, and mm. it's just not been getting any better. <sighs> yes. Sorry to adjust. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i wish that she i mean yeah i just am so i have her muted and i, I don't have her blocked because you know it's part of my responsibility as a harry potter podcaster i guess to be yeah. in the know but every time her name is trending it just my heart just sinks and it sinks for uh trans and non-binary people especially so yeah just mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. huge disavowing of who that person is <laughs> yeah i'm on anything else before we move on no i think that pretty much covers it <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot more coming up in a future episode uh, with Coach Beast. So uh, look forward to that and we'll uh, have some more good conversations when that all comes up. But I believe that's about it for all of that in this episode. Unless I'm forgetting anything later on. Let's swing back around. Uh, Quinn and Tina back in the choir room with Becky getting her ready. Uh, they are going to do a uh, trio number here with Quinn, Tina, and Becky. They're like, we'll give you a cue. And then you burst in like Mercedes uh, always did. Becky's like, okay, I got it. I'm going to nail it. Quinn and Tina get started here with this song. Uh, So Far Away is going to be what they sing. And they, of course, sound great together. I say, of course, as if like they've done many duets (laughs) where they sound great together, which is not the case. Uh, But this is the first time these two are having a uh, duet together. Just the two of them. Of course, it would have been uh, three of them. But Becky's not going to join in. She's sitting between the two of them on some stools um, and she looks up. Daryl is there ready for her to sing. And while the two girls next to her sound great, she's not uh, about to do it. Sue's there as well, by the way. She's giving Becky like a little nod of approval. Um, And I just uh, wish this was going to go better for Becky, but it's not. She's going to run out of the room. The song stops midway through. So this great song we were hearing from Quinn and Tina, you have to go check it out on iTunes if you want to hear the full version. You're not going to get it on the show. Uh, Sue is like, well... I guess you can't really blame Becky for not joining in. Those two were pretty pitchy. Uh, Let's go let them work it out. But uh, Quinn and Tina are going to chase after Becky, who says that she couldn't do it. Brittany's also going to join. And Becky is going to uh, tell them, you know, she's like, once I sang, he would know that I was lying about being in Glee Club. And all the girls that are here, uh, Tina has joined as well, if I didn't say that. No, not Tina. Uh, Santana and Brittany are both here as well. Uh, They're like, Becky, we've all had to lie uh, during relationship drama whatever Quinn's like I told Finn that he was the father of my baby Tina's like I told Artie that I had a stutter Santana says I told everyone that I was straight Brittany says I once told a guy that I had three vaginas and he was pretty bummed out when he found out I only had two uh point being uh that most people 
uh, to get through the first getting to know you portion of the phase, whatever they uh, do everything they can to make sure that the other person doesn't really get to know like the real them. Uh, real relationships can't start until you stop being the person who the uh, stop being who you think the other person wants you to be. You have to just be yourself. Blah blah blah. Uh, Becky is like, but you guys know it's different for me. I'm never gonna get a chance uh, to ha- to have a chance like this again. To have a guy like uh, Daryl really like me. Uh, Tina says, I-, I think he really does like you though. It's I see the way he looks at you. Uh, I wish a guy would look at me like that. <laughs> Brittany looks at Tina. She's like, I- I'm sorry. I can't even hear you. I blocked out your voice a few months ago because everything you say is just so depressing and so about you. <laughs> uh, okay, Becky, how long are you going to do this for? How long are you going to lie to him your whole life? Quinn wants to know. Uh, Becky's like, yeah, well, that's what Sue said to do. And Santana's going to lay in some brutal honesty with her. She says, Sue also told us that we should treat you like everybody else. So let's just say it, Becky. You can't sing. You can't dance. You weren't in any of those clubs because you're kind of lazy and pretty toxic to be around. You call people stupid bitches and get mad at xylophones. You're not really a catch, but you found this guy who digs you and you dig him too. Uh, Finding somebody to put up with you is rare. So I mean this all in the nicest way. Of course, Uh, Quinn says you have to take a chance that he really likes you for real reasons and tell him the truth. And then your relationship can really start. Becky thanks them all. They go in for a group hug and she tells them that they're mostly super bitches, but they're also pretty cool, too. Yeah, um, good for her. Good for them uh, for, you know, being the the support that she obviously needs. I think all of the she obviously was overcompensating because she felt like this was her chance to, you know, have someone that. But she doesn't want to be relegated to ha- having to date somebody with Down syndrome. So when someone that doesn't have Down syndrome is interested in her, it's like, well, damn, like, now I have to. F- I feel like I have to do all of this stuff. And really, no, I mean, he just likes you because you tried to pay for Quiznos with a ten thousand dollar counterfeit bill. Like <laughs> you, that you've already sort of like snagged him. So you know, if you just focus on continuing to be yourself i feel like you're going to go a long a long way and it's just not it's just not good for your mental health to have to lie all the time it's just not good Mm -hmm. i'll admit i was a little disappointed that this scene had tina in it which is not something that i usually say (laughs) at all but it was the unholy trinity plus becky It was the cheerios reunion that i would have loved to see uh but Tina was there and they just let her on into the scene. And, you know, I mean, she was part of, of course, she was part of the song and I get why, but like, I don't know. I wouldn't have minded if well, she it's just not like, like Quinn ever off. really had that much of a relationship with Becky. It was more Brittany and Santana, mostly Santana. Yeah, no, to, uh, for sure. I just would have loved a little mini Cheerios reunion. It's fine. Or Becky could have been with them singing Problem in the last episode or something. I don't know. I enjoyed having Tina there just for the burn on her with <laughs> that, that Brittany yeah. did. So, um, yeah, I will say also that 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 real talk that Santana gave Becky um, was a great little speech. Again, uh, another great monologue there. And um, I did tear up for that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, really, really sweet. The way that everybody is uh, coming around to be there for Becky, uh, the way that Sue and Sam are being there for Coach Beast as well. Like everybody's just so friendly. I don't know what's going on here. It's uh, a very unusual environment here. It's once Kurt leaves. <laughs> <laughs> once Kurt leaves, exactly. He's, he's home right now. But actually, he's not home. He's back in the choir room telling Rachel that he knows he screwed up. Uh, he's like, you're supposed to leave your baggage at home. Rachel's like, no worries. We've all been there. Uh, he was just grasping for control and he knows that he was way out of line. 
Uh, Mason and Jane actually came up to Rachel earlier in the day uh, to tell Rachel that they know that Kurt was right and they uh, need the brutal honesty from him if they're going to be the best that they can be. Rachel's like, they see, like they need you. They, they genuinely in- appreciated the input that you had. Uh, you know, both of us have two different views of how this is all going to go down and how we should go about this. But both of these different methods work. Uh, Kurt just can't believe that they actually said that about him, that the, that he actually helped them. She's like, yeah, feels good, doesn't it? Uh, and then they have a line here. Holy crap. We're teachers. We're uh, teachers. Are they, though? They're like 19 and <laughs> they don't have uh, any degrees. Um, so I'm like, uh, that's not how it works. This is one of my biggest pet peeves as a teacher. Um, so many shows misrepresent what it's like to become a teacher and what it's like to become a principal. So like, hello, Sue Sylvester being a principal makes no sense. Um, But yeah, like, no, you guys are not teachers. You are at best advisors to a club. Um, But no, you're not teachers. And uh, sorry to say it, but I'm also not sorry. So what would you call the, uh, I mean, not that this is like a hard question, but like, what's the best word to describe them? Just mentors or volunteers? Mm, Yeah, volunteers. (laughs) Okay. Maybe coach. You could maybe say coaches, but um, yeah, yeah. They look at each other. Uh, can you believe it? We're volunteers. <laughs> We've made it. We're volunteers. We've made it, Kurt. We left our Broadway careers behind to be the world's best volunteers. <laughs> yeah, the world's best. Uh, flawless. Yeah, uh, but they're back on the same page here, so that's good. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Um, we're, uh, let's go check out what Becky's up to after, uh, everybody made her feel better. They're off getting some milkshakes at breadsticks, which she's annoyed about because the milkshakes at Fud Ruckers, often called Fud Rakers are so much better, <laughs> uh, but they're not allowed to go back there. <laughs> they're not allowed to go back there anymore because, uh, apparently Becky hit somebody there. They hit, she hit the waitress. Uh, Becky was like, well, she was being rude. Uh, she tells Daryl to, uh, she, she needs a second to talk to him. She's like, it's really great having you here, but I haven't been completely honest with you, and it's eating me up inside. First of all, I need to tell you, I have Down syndrome. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I know. I, I got it. Um, <laughs> but big relief. She got that off her chest. It was uh, really weighing on her to to let him know that. But she says, okay, good. I also have to tell you that I really wasn't the president of those clubs in high school and I can't sing. It's like, you know, I kind of suspected you were exaggerating a little bit when you said that you were the fifth member of 98 Degrees. I mean, that's just something I was able to look up on my phone. Uh, Becky says she was just trying to impress him, but he's like, you don't have to impress me, Becky. I already like you and I'll like you just the same, whether you're Angela Merkel's most trusted advisor or not. People think that it's weird that I like you for whatever reason. There's going to be a lot of outside pressure on us, but we just have to know that no matter what, we always have each other's backs. Uh, Becky says it's going to take some time for her to get used to a guy having her back. She's she's not used to it. And he says, well, get used to it, Becky, because I have your back. And she's giggling. The two of them go in for another sip of their milkshake. And Becky is going to smack it across the table (laughs) and send it flying probably into another table. Uh, This milkshake sucks. And the two of them just laugh and uh, celebrate each other's company. I don't know. I really felt like this scene even more so than the Daryl like speaking about her to Sue and then the rest of the the questioners or the doubters, I felt like this scene really solidified um, that I I do ship Becky and Daryl because you just see them interacting and they're just having so much fun. And I just feel like um, this conversation just solidified that for me. Yeah. The the milkshake didn't look that bad. I mean, no, it looked good. No, Becky is crazy. (laughs) She's crazy. (laughs) 
I mean, Daryl Daryl didn't seem to disagree. He was like, you're so fun, Becky. <laughs> Aman, any final thoughts on uh, Becky and Daryl here before we say goodbye to them in this episode? No, none other than that. Like, I'm glad that this is a safe space for Becky. I mean, we don't really see Becky interact with anybody else outside of Sue and the kids at mm-hmm. McKinley. So it was nice to see that she's able to socialize and create deep connections um, when she's alone. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These two are highly standable. Barrel? Oh, Barrel. 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 Decky. Man, were ship names? Yeah, of course ship names were a thing. That was a stupid question. Pretend I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, back in the auditorium, time to uh, wind down on this episode. And Rachel says, before we wrap things up, Kurt and I wanted to tell you guys that we're really proud of you. We've just began to gel as a team. And we've learned this week that two very different styles of teaching, although they may clash sometimes, yield very important lessons learned. Uh, Madison's like, that sort of sounded like you were congratulating yourselves. Uh, <laughs> Tina's like, you get used to it. Uh, but the point here is that we took our inner Carols and our inner Alanises and we uh, took the jagged and the smooth, the angry and the sad, the joyful of the peanut butter and the jelly and the Reese's pieces and the jelly and the outer shell of the, yeah. Uh, we created something new. Mashups aren't always pretty, but they're worth the risk. And now we know you guys are ready. Uh, they're like, ready for what? The road to sectionals, baby. And we're going to go into this final number of the episode, Martha, of uh, You Learn, You Got a Friend, mashed up uh, with Rachel, Tina, and Kurt leading the way here. Santana comes on in to join as well. And then, of course, Quinn and Puck and everybody else is going to jump on in as they sing to the kids and tell them that they've got a friend. This song was great. Um, I definitely, I, I always love a good group number at the end of an episode. Um, I don't think it ever gets oh, yeah. old. Um, and just like having the solos each time somebody walked in with a solo, Santana solo, of course, was great. Um, and just a great little. I mean, I, I loved the um, quick line from from Madison there. Um, one one little one little. Uh, moment to shine for Laura Dreyfus there of, of Burning Rachel. Um, but yeah, I just thought I love this song. Um, a great mashup as well. Yes. A fantastic way to end this episode as uh, Brittany. I love that like little motion she does to like, look at all of us. We are all your friends. We're all friends. You've got just... a friend. So cute. Ah, all the songs are so cute. They're so cute. They are cute. <laughs> I enjoy this one as well. All, like I guess I said at the top of the show, all of the songs in this good episode are good. Yep. So the kids head down, they join in on the number, and that's how we close out this episode with all of the alumni, not all of them. I don't know what Mercedes and uh, Artie were doing in this particular episode that they couldn't make it, but they're not here. I guess they're, I don't know, is there a point to them not being here? I don't remember any like behind the scenes like Amber and Chris, were, uh, not Chris, uh, Kevin <laughs> Roth doing something. I don't know. I mean, they were probably like fucking at college, at school, you know, like fucking at college. The two of them. (laughs) Yeah, that That makes so much sense. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Mercedes had a lot of other things to be doing. I mean, not I don't know about the actors, but um, yeah, I feel like as far as the two of their roles go, I think they're the they're the two that are the most serious about where they're at right now. Right. And as far as Mm -hmm. the other characters go, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they'll be back in no time. They're not flop. It's fine. Right. Yes. 
<laughs> they'll be back in no time. Uh, Quinn is uh, not going to be back in no time. I think this is Quinn's last episode until the finale. Um, sad about that. This is, of course, like I said, Roz's last episode in the series, I think. Um, I don't think she's there for that last episode, but that's it. That's what we got here in this episode. Let's start to get into the fun stuff and uh, work our way through our favorite songs. Finally, the and, fun uh, stuff. I've been waiting. <laughs> The fun stuff. None of this was fun. We were just having a miserable hour and a half going through all the episode. We were torturing ourselves. Uh, the show is so dumb. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Mon. Okay. We've got It's Too Late, Blaine and Kurt, Hand in My Pocket, I Feel the Earth Move, Brittany and Santana, Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet, Jane and Mason, So Far Away, Quinn and Tina, You Learn You've Got a Friend, Alumni and New Directions. Alrighty, Martha, as our guest here, why don't you kick us off and uh, pick out which song is your favorite from this episode? Um, I feel like it's got to be Hand in My Pocket, Feel the Earth Move. Um, all of these songs were great. I, I'll say I did it so far away. We, we got cut off on that one, so it wasn't quite as good as all the others. But I have to say, far and away, Hand in My Pocket, Feel the Earth Move, a great Britannia duet and um, just a great scene, too. For sure it is. Uh, Aman, what about you? It's gotta go to Will You Love Me Tomorrow, Head Over Feet. I just love that duet. I think they sound so luscious together. It just fills the room. It's so resonant. So, just so expertly done. Love it. All they did, they could have used some choreography though, Amon. You gotta admit. I know, I know. <laughs> it's the one thing against it. Fucking lazy asses. <laughs> Stop. Ah, uh, Kurt, you, you, you angry little man. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with both of you about your favorite song selections uh, because you gotta I, pick I, one. Need to, I don't, I don't know that I do. I think, I think I have to pick both. I honestly do. I, uh, I can't, I don't think I can revisit this episode again and in good conscious uh, pass over the, I was going to call him Billy, the Mason and Jane performance there. Uh, I mean, literally in the last episode we did, I picked three favorite songs. So uh, picking two here, you know, I should go back to one because I, deserve to have you should zero probably do zero point. yeah you should probably do zero Ex- for the next two exactly. episodes <laughs> i mean honestly knowing the next two episodes that might be a possibility but i don't know i think that like it's totally possible that these five songs that i just picked out for uh, for the the two that i'm picking in this episode uh hand in my pocket i feel the earth move and will you love me tomorrow head over feet those plus the, the songs in the last episode i feel like could end up all in my top 10 of the season because um i don't know that i remember a whole lot of really great season six music but a lot of it's coming in here, so that's a good thing. But whatever. Uh, slushy ratings. Let's get into all that. Martha, what are you thinking? How many times would you slushy this episode? Um, so We can do half slushies, is that right? You certainly can. Okay, I'm going to do a half slushy. I feel like um, this was almost a perfect episode. I really loved all the music, um, almost all the plots. I will say a half a slushy just for the Rachel Kurt stuff because, first of all, they're not teachers. and Second of all, uh, I did feel like some of these fights were a little bit um, not super believable, and it was just Kurt being annoying, and I was not a big fan of Kurt in this episode. So I'll say half a slushy for this one. <laughs> Can't blame you on that. Uh, Aman, what about you? Hmm. I think I'll have to agree with Martha. I I wouldn't. It's damn near perfect, but it's not quite there. I do love that Kurt got a talking to from Santana. I love all of the music here. Um, I love that we are getting so much more beast content. Um, 
some meaningful impactful content as well. Uh, so yeah, there's, just, there's a lot of good character moments here and great music, but not quite perfect. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I've never won, and I, I'm not about to do this, relax, uh, uh, given out like a, a 0.25 rating. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's where I feel with this episode. I'm not giving it that. I'm just saying like, uh, you know what? Essentially, that rounds up to a, to a 0.5 in, in the way that we rate things. But genuinely, like this episode feels like to me like right in that spot. It is so close to being a perfect episode. Everything is so good. The songs are so good, but it's just is missing that whatever it is like that little final uh push that gives it like the perfect feeling so it's just right there (laughs) 0.25 but no it's only a half a slushy for me uh so yeah we're all on the same page about that would you look at that i feel like 0.25 slushy that'd be like such a classic matt move um it would be (laughs) (laughs) it really would be um but i enjoy living at this time and uh (laughs) don't want a mon to find his way to new york and uh cause that to stop so that's that. And of course, gold stars before we get out of here. Martha, have you thought about who you're going to give out a gold star to for this episode? I mean, there were a lot of great characters in this moment. I, I in this episode, I think it's got to be Kurt though, right? He was just so lovable and great in this episode. Um just loved him. Everything he did was just great. So, King Kurt. Um, <laughs> no, um that yeah, no kidding. Um I'm I'm going to give it to Daryl. Um I just thought that not only was his speech just he just really told Sue and Becky, not Becky, Sue and Quinn and the rest, um, really, he, he gave them a piece of his mind. But I just thought that, that moment with him and, and Becky really showed just what a great relationship they really have. And I think it was uh, just unlike kind of some of the scenes that we've had in the past in the, in the show. So I'm going to give my gold mm-hmm. star to Daryl. All right. Aman, what about you? Mm, there's so many good options here. Santana's a good option. Uh, Becky's a good option. Daryl's a good option. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, Beast is also a good option. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give mine to Santana because we all need to be told about ourselves if we're fucking up. And Kurt was fucking up in this episode, and Santana was bad cop. Brittany was good cop, but I feel like bad cop was what really set him straight. And that rant was just effortlessly delivered. So I'm going to go ahead and give my gold star to Santana. You know what? No, fuck that. I'm going to go give mine to <laughs> Becky. Because Becky showed a lot of strength by bringing Daryl here. And I know that she did like a lot of lying. But I think that she ultimately learned her lesson at the end of this episode. Um, and I just admired that she was so you know willing to be honest about her, her relationship with Daryl. And bring and bring that into uh, back to McKinley and show Sue and all the other girls and everything. I just love that moment. So yeah. Becky, lots Whore. of good character development here. Whores and bitch abound. <laughs> you know, that was a wild ride that you just <laughs> took me on or took us on. Because, Amon, you and I have talked before about this episode, and I, I, I totally thought that you were going to end up going with Brittany, and then you ended up saying Santana, and I was like, okay, that's a, a fair <laughs> trade-off. Uh, and then we ended up on Becky, which is also fine, but I just I feel like that was a journey. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an ephemeral person. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm happy uh, you're happy. Uh, I'm happy if you're happy, and I'm always happy if Becky gets a star. So sounds good. Um, and I will not let us get out of here without giving a star to, of course, Coach Beast, uh, who has a great episode here of us finally learning his truth and learning what is going on here. It, thank God it's not cancer. I mean, that would have been a terrible way to close out season six. Um, but obviously, this is something very big and very important. Uh, Coach Beast finally going through with um, a lot of a lot of the you know like like he says like the the physical transformation aspect of it as well as just you know letting everybody in on um, the changes that are coming to uh, you know again physically but also like you know by having everybody refer to him by the proper gender uh, going forward um, so that's just really good stuff from him in this episode so happy to get him on the board uh, Becky Coach Beast and Daryl with gold stars here sounds good good episode everybody i would say a great episode actually but uh thank you i would say like a a (laughs) 0.25 episode but i was gonna say three it's a three song episode (laughs) yes martha uh thank you for joining us thank you very much uh for being here with us today please let everybody know one more time where they can find you both on social media and find your podcast, which we've uh, mentioned a couple different times, both for the episodes you were talking about earlier and all of the rest of the amazing Harry Potter content. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Um, I've been wanting to go in the choir room since I heard about the podcast is starting. So um, yeah, <laughs> as, a, as a big leak, glad I was able to make it in in the last uh, last few weeks of the pod. Um, but yeah, I'm on Twitter at Real Weird Martha, um, and the podcast is, of course, the aforementioned Real Weird Sisters. Um, we are currently doing character studies of um, different characters. We finished our book club um, of the different chapter by chapter episodes um, back in, I think, March or April. But that was a four year process. And now we are doing character studies where we dive deep into each character um, one week at a time. Um, and yeah, we are also doing special episodes, including Sorting Hat episodes. Definitely check out our Sorting Hat with Matt and Amon, one of our most fun ones we've done in a while. Um, well, I would say it was a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good episode uh but no yeah definitely check those out um where wherever you've listened to podcasts the real weird sisters not to be confused with the weird sisters the real weird sisters wait have i ever told you about this time that i was um i don't know if you know the person i'm talking about so i just won't say their name you probably do but it's fine i was uh in, in the car with a friend and they were talking about uh, the podcast, your your podcast, of course, and they were like, yeah, like, I, I really enjoy it. I've been listening to it. And I don't remember how we figured out, but he was listening to a different podcast, <laughs> no. uh, I guess. What, what is the other podcast? Do you know? Is it just the Weird Sisters? There is, that- is, there is a the Weird Sisters podcast. They are not currently releasing episodes anymore, but they are two sisters uh, who were doing a mm-hmm. Harry Potter book club. It was not quite the same format. And we actually started at almost the exact same time. Um, so no hard feelings to right. Danielle and Allison, but that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he was listening to that one. And when we figured it out, we were like, you're not listening to the podcast oh. that everybody else is talking about here. <laughs> it was quite the moment, but I'm pretty well, sure he switched over I hope and so. found the right content. <laughs> I hope so. So that's that. Uh, thank you again for coming on and joining us. Uh, we will, of course, talk to you in the future with uh, the next sorting hat and then some more stuff we have coming up. So excited for all of that. Aman, final thoughts here today, tonight, today, in this world, in this hour, in this day. Um, no, yeah, it was a really fun episode. I adore this episode. It's a lot of fun. Um, music is great. I listened to a bit of it before we started recording today. 
Uh, and yes, thank you so much, Martha, for coming back on the show or coming on the show for the first time. And yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, follow us on social media, please, and review us and, and rate us and all that fun stuff. Follow us at Choir Room Pod. You can follow us individually as well. I'm Adam on Adwin. Matt is at Matt Lavori. Leave us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Leave them aloud on the show. And until next time, guys. We'll glee you later.